Today's Animal Spirits is brought to you by Future Proof, which is coming up very, very soon. It marks the end of the summer, but it's a heck of a way to end the summer. It is our financial festival in Huntington Beach, California, September 10th through the 13th. Everyone is going to be there, yours truly, us included. Uh, it's a great way to network, to hang out, to have fun, to learn about the latest trends in asset management and wealth tech and all that sort of stuff. Plus, I think last time you found the best fish tacos I've ever had in my life at a place right down the street from, oh, from the festival. Those were like the Antonio Banderas gif. Right? We'll definitely was, go back there. Yes. I don't remember the name of the place, but there was amazing fish. And fish tacos just taste better when you're in a nice place like California. I was blown away by just the scenery of that place. People always talk about how expensive it is to live in California, and they may not agree with the politics there and stuff. But like, you go to California and you realize, oh, yeah, that's right. This place is amazing. And that's, that's like the, the scene of the beach right next to all the stuff going on and the interacting and the drinks and the, the conference talks and all that stuff. That, that part of it is, is what makes this thing really special, too. Just yeah. the, the scenery is awesome. Yeah. So, what is it? Futureproof.advisorcircle.com? Uh, say that one more time because I just, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Futureproof.advisorcircle.com. I give you props for not cutting me off last week and then look what happens already. <laughs> Welcome to Animal Spirits, a show about markets, life, and investing. Join Michael Batnick and Ben Carlson as they talk about what they're reading, writing, and watching. All opinions expressed by Michael and Ben are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome to Animal Spirits with Michael and Ben. Michael, I'm a, I'm a kind of a sucker for the aphorisms in the market. Buy when there's blood in the streets. Be greedy when others are fearful. All these types of things, right? The ones that just roll off the tongue, they, I think they, if they sound better, they they just work like uh, the trend is your friend, these types of things, except in the end. Don't fight the Fed is one that has caught on, is a good one, obviously. And I, I think in the 2010s, a lot of people learned that one the hard way. It's not working this year. Don't fight the Fed is broken. It's a great point. Do we retire it? Too early. Maybe, That's maybe, I, maybe it's just on a hiatus. That's so. I, I was just looking at the biggest stock in the world, which is funny. To me. I wrote a piece this week about uh, how contrarians are usually wrong, based on what we were talking about last week. And it's funny to me that Buffett is the one who has the greedy and fearful quote, and and it's wait for the fat pitch. It's just hilarious to me that his number one holding is Apple. Like yeah. Buffett's number one holding is literally. And but that's the thing is he he didn't fight the trend, right? He went with it instead of being you know. So I think sometimes the the quotes of his. Are, are misconstrued for what he actually does. Like he didn't, he didn't like beat his head against the wall and say, "I'm going to buy these three PE stocks that, you know, mine iron ore or something." I'm going to buy the biggest, best company there is. And the Fed is raising rates, and they said they're probably going to still raise what twice more this year. And Apple is up fifty percent this year. The whole, I think, the, again, the whole fight the Fed thing. It's one of those things that sounds great, but if you if you ever like had an ironclad rule like that, like the, I guess maybe my point is there's no ironclad rules in the in the well, market. No, that. Cer certainly not. Hey Ben, I got I got to ask. Your background, it looks like you're in a bunk of a summer camp or like some sort of shed. What's going on? Uh, I, I'm in a storage room. This is this is kind of my makeshift storage room slash gym, and it's the only place I'm at home, the only place I could find a plug-in so I get hard Ethernet cable so I don't have a delay with you. We've, we've done shows with delays before, and I know it can throw you off. And so I'm taking one for the team here, and I'm, and I'm podcasting from the basement. I appreciate that. Um, 
I was thinking about Apple in preparation for the show. I did hang some. I hung some stuff on the walls, though. I like. I I tried. Oh, it's a man cave. Kind. Of, I mean, I got I got weights down here. I've got. That's it. A TV. That's sure sign. It. That not, that's a middle aged thing. It's not really a man cave, but my my gym is free weights in the basement. Do man caves even exist in, in real room. life? Like you know, um, uh, Sydney Fife. What was his name for my lovely man? Oh yeah, yeah. His man cave in his garage. No, it was Sydney the main character's name. No, that's that's uh, no Jason Peter Clavin. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that guy has an all time man cave, which is neither here nor there. But in, okay, you can't Apple. have a man cave when you have kids. I think when you have kids, like I, my 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 office is the kids' playroom. I lost an office to the playroom. That's why I'm in the basement. Kids, the kids take precedent over me. Well, also, the, I mean, you need property. True. A uh, man cave is a rich man's uh, toy. All right, Apple's market cap it crossed a trillion dollars in August 2018 for the first time. There was no shortage of articles saying that this is the top, right? It would just be poetic if Apple crossed a trillion and then you know the market got rugged. Well, since then, uh, it has passed just last week three trillion. However, so the market cap is up three x, but it, an investor's return is up three hundred percent. So market caps up two hundred percent. The return is up three hundred percent. How? They bought back so much damn stock and paid a dividend the entire time. So how many other how many other companies do we have that are a trillion? Because Nvidia is a trillion now. Microsoft, Amazon is Amazon still a trillion? Oh yeah. Because Nvidia, uh, Nvidia, Google, is. Tesla, is Tesla? No, I don't know. Facebook's not anymore. Well, I'm sure on its way back. That's a good question. How many? How many? You're you're right though. The the is this the, that was yeah. Tesla's not. They're nine hundred, but they're pretty close. There were so many moments of of the the, the top thing, and obviously we, we had a bear market, but. I think the thing that has got to be the most surprising to people who who have been predicting a crash for 15 years or whatever is the fact that it didn't really feel like a system-wide reset of a bear market. It felt like a eh, run of the bill bear market, you know? It wasn't it wasn't this one's not going to go down in the history books. Like the inflation and the economic story yes, that will. will go down in the history uh, books. Yes, it will. The bear I, I the stock market is so far down the totem pole to me of things that have gone crazy in the markets these last 3 years that a 25% correction in the S&P doesn't really i don't know that that to me that's going to get lost in the history books i think well yeah it's it's not yeah i agree it's not like a top it's not like obviously a, a 29 or 07 or anything however we were talking about this a couple of weeks back or maybe a couple of months ago the duration of the bear market was on the longer end of things what was it 250 days i think i'm making that up but it was if you you know that remember that chart that we showed just the length yeah. it was it was not insignificant 15 months basically right uh bespoke tweeted Talk about emotional through the fourth to last trading day of the first half. The NASDAQ is on pace for its third best first half on record. Last year was the second worst at this point. We have spoken about a book in the past called uh, A Very Good Year. Is that the name of the book? Yes. And it looks at the the top 10 years in the stock market. And most, not all, but most of them followed a very bad year. So from that very, very simple mental model... Well, you remember what the, the best year ever in the Dow is, right? The best year ever for the Dow? 1915. So in 1914, from World War I, liquidity in the stock market basically dried up, and the stock market closed for six months, literally closed. Right. And 1915, 
after it opened back up, was the best year ever. The Dow was up 85%, I think. Yep. And then after World War One, it started, which is, I, I guess your point, it's, it's counterintuitive. This, and speaking of counterintuitive, I think one of the things that we, a lesson that we learn over and over and over again is... And, and it's so obvious that I think sometimes we don't talk about it enough. It's gone from uh, overrated to underrated, is that nobody knows anything. And investing with your emotions or what you think might happen, it just never works. Yeah, sometimes it works. But generally speaking, what I'm getting at is uh, when everybody went risk off, the market said, you, we're going risk on, right? Like in, in, in December, January, oh my God, I could get four and a half. Oh my God, I could get 5% on my, on my cash. And it made, it, it made sense and it makes sense. And I did it. And a lot of people did it. Uh, and it doesn't mean, I'm not saying I swung to cash, but, but it, was, it was attractive, right? So my point is you have to have some sort of discipline. It could be loosely defined. It's not, I'm not saying buy and hold index funds is the only solution, although it's a good one. But you have to have something that you come back to where you're not just, you know, flipping out, up, down, sideways, excited, scared. I think the other thing is people think that the market should do something. Like the interest rates went up, so the market should crash. And the Fed did this, so the market should do this. And inflation, I think that's that's a hard hard thing to follow too, is that that you you get your mind attached on these narratives that like, well, the market should be doing this because this is what I learned. And if it's not, here, here's one that actually did follow through though. We talked about at the beginning, I'll don't fight the Fed kind of doesn't work anymore. I think you talked about this. What's the the after the elections? It's uh, we spoke about this a lot. Rate? And so I don't. I'm not a big seasonality guy, but I do think that there's something here because not only because it's 100, percent but there is there is a reason. There is a reasonable explanation for why. How many midterm elections has there, have there been? Right. And so the, someone someone pointed this out on Twitter. They said, "Hey, you guys mentioned this on the show. Time to update it because." What's the, the rule? After midterm elections, a, a year later down. or something, it's never been down. It's never and, been down. and we had Sean run the numbers again. And I think from the midterm elections, stocks are up 15% or something. And it's, <laughs> and I think when you said it at the time, I kind of poo pooed it and laughed. But I don't know. Maybe there, maybe there is something no, to because people, it's, first of people all, freak I, out about elections. And I'm fairly certain that, that I used Dietrich's data on this because he's, he's a big seasonal, seasonality guy. But this, the, the reasonable explanation that I'm thinking of is, Markets like certainty, right? And 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 I know that politics shouldn't drive your investing certainly. And I don't think politics is the end all be all. In fact, I think it's very, very, very low down the list of what drives the market. But in this case, and this won't hold forever, right? So I'm not saying like bet the farm on this. And and uh, but it's what is it? Twenty out of twenty. It works better than selling me and go away. Is that right? <laughs> um, Kotu had a, a great presentation with some charts that I wanted to talk about. They showed the EM Cloud Index, which is 68 companies, and they showed the percentage growth in net new AOR. What would that be, like Alibaba and those kind of companies? Datadog, CrowdStrike. I don't oh, know okay. I thought you meant like emerging markets. What's no, EM? No, no, no. Uh, my, yeah, I guess I threw, threw you off. Me off too. Okay. Probably like Snowflake and, and whatever. Anyway, okay. so it's showing the percent growth in net new ARR. And from 2017 through 2019, it was doing around 20%, pretty consistently. So a little higher, a little lower, but that was a trend line. And then pandemic happened, and it basically, you know, went nosedived. Pandemic economy reopened, the switch to work from home, um, an infusion of, of liquidity and stimulus and, and business spike, and, and then it went to 50% growth. 
And then it has since crashed to the lowest level uh, going back to this chart, 2017. And the point is this, and again, it's a point we've made. Some, another thing that went overrated to underrated or just got sort of lost in the shuffle, the pandemic like changed everything. It brought forward years of demand, and then it made those comps completely impossible. And investors rationally overpaid for the growth and are now correcting the other side. And it's, it's tough. Looking at this chart, it almost does, the moves in these stocks almost make sense. It's, it's, it's like, I know it was a big speculative thing that happened in, the, in, the, in that 2021, 2020 kind of bubble period, but the fundamentals did really go up that much and they did really come down that much. So it's almost like the, the run-up made sense and the crash made sense. They, it kind of followed fundamentals. Yeah, totally. And then they, and then they show um, market is a slide, market is demanding profitable growth. So cumulative returns from 2022 to today, they break it down by low PE. And again, this, uh, this is a uh, uh, code to US internet universe with a billion dollar market cap. They show low PE, high PE, and money losing. And the money losing companies, it's basically down 30, down 44, down 58. And then if you show the value recovery, so from the trough to where it is today, the low PE internet companies are up 33%, the high PE are up 28%, and the money losing companies are up 11%. So this so is the, the market is also rationally punishing that era of free money is over. It the runway the runway is is done. That's it. No more. If you're not if you're losing money and you can't turn it around, you're done. So this chart kind of shows those higher quality companies like Apple and Amazon and Google. They didn't fall as much, and they then they're rising much higher on the recovery too. Correct. Interesting. Nakarasa. We haven't done flows in a while. Let's talk about it for a second. Top ten ETF inflows for the first half of 2023. Number one, VOO, which is Vanguard's S&P 500. Number two, this is surprising. That is surprising. TLT, which is a lot of duration. How is this done year to date? I think it's long-term up, treasuries. I think it's up a little bit. Let's take a look. See, TLT. It's not like it's knocking yeah, it the cover off a the bit. ball. It's up a little bit, five percent or so. Yeah, but, but that, that that's that surprising, is surprising, right? People people want to, so does that mean people are betting on a is that, is that an inflation bet or a Fed bet? Like inflation's coming down, so I'm going long duration? Uh, maybe it's a bet on the, yeah, the, I guess the Fed done, being done raising. and Jeppy number three, which is, again, probably our most asked ticker email that we've gotten from people. I remember one guy like a year ago emailed and said, talk me out of putting all my money into Jeppy, which the question we were getting like three years ago was talk me out of putting all my money into three-time levered NASDAQ 100. And then last year it was the covered call, but that that thing's still bringing yeah, it, money. Well, yeah, uh, and that's lagging the market pretty substantially, which is not a surprise given the strategy is literally capping upside when things go straight. It's up. also interesting if you look at this: eight out of ten of these, or maybe seven out of ten, are just the the index funds: VOO, VTI, SPY, and then BND, AG, IEF, and TLT. It's like it's just huge stock and bond indexes. Yeah, and the a only couple of I, specialty funds. The only Outliers are Jeppy, Qual, and uh, SQQ. Is that that is is that two times Nasdaq? Is that short Nasdaq or uh, ultra long? short? Oh shit! How about wow. that? That's interesting. That's a not a winning trade. Uh, top ETF outflow. It's an ESG fund. I wonder if this is a model portfolio thing or if it's who knows. Uh, it could be. That's a lot of money. Yeah. People are still buying index funds. I I don't think yeah. anything is going to come along that changes that. 
I know that there's a lot of people who are crusading against index funds. They they cause market to do this. They this this whole wave of money just constantly flowing index funds through 401ks and IRAs and I, I don't think that there's anything that ever stops that. And I think it's only going to get slowly but surely larger over time. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what what would have to happen to stop index flows from from doing this. I don't know. Just a nuclear bear market. But even still. Uh, people are still people have still been investing in the bear markets. All right, Ben. Uh, Betterment, switching gears. Betterment did a did a study of retail investors. I think it was twelve hundred investors in here. And they said that the company found that financial advisors were the most so the, the, the study says, I'm sorry. What is the most trustworthy source for financial advice? The company found that financial advisors were the most trusted source of financial advice with 67% ranking in top three, which makes me happy. Uh, and this also this makes me even happier. Social media influencers were the least trusted, with 22% ranking it in the top three. Okay. Friends and family. Uh, that's a little too high for me. But the thing is that that's Friends probably and the way- number two. Yeah. Friends, but that's probably the way most people do this, and it's probably some of the worst people you could ask advice from. Well, so it depends. Like, depends. It, that's a huge crapshoot of asking. Totally. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, I, 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 we talk about this stuff all the time. I don't like giving financial advice to friends and family unless they like really tr- like uh, casual advice, right? Like uh, giving. Uh, that's a, that's the thing with when you talk to friends and family about financial advice, it's usually casual. You definitely get even more squirmish than I do. So I had one of these experiences over the weekend. Funny, you should mention this. Okay. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, uh, Kobe was playing basketball with some of the boys, and I was with uh, two of the dad friends. And they asked me what I did. So I told them. And the first question, as is always the first question, oh, what stocks do you like? Right? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I, uh, I mess around with stocks. I love picking stocks, but, I, you know, it's just, you know, I do it for fun. It's a hobby. Wait, like, you didn't right. brag about some of the bottoms you've picked lately? <laughs> They're like, all right, well, which, which ones do you like? I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, like, listen. I'm like, well, what, what do you guys do? So one of them told me that, uh, that he bought a lot of tech stocks before the pandemic, sold them at the bottom, and has been depressed about watching them run up. And he, when he sold them, he put all of his money. I don't know if he's put all of his money. I'm sure it's not all of his money. But he put all of the money that he had in the stock market. He put it into a company called Neo. And I'm like, well, why, why did you do that? And he's like- Is that the electric, electric cars or what is that one? Yeah. So, you know, he's like, I don't know. I thought it would go up and then it didn't. And I just never sold. And he's like, uh, he's like, well, what do you, what do you, you know, what do you actually do for your own money? I'm like, well, you know, I, I automate it. So I invest in my 401k. And then aside from that, I invest every two weeks. And he's like, into, into what? What, 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 what do you, what do you like? So I'm like, I just, just index funds. And, you know, I just want to get the market return. He's like, well, how, how is it done? How have you, how, how is that done over the last? I'm like, well, the market's done really well. He's like, okay, well, how is that done? I'm like, well, I just own the market, so I've done pretty well. So anyway, my point is this. I think we take for granted that people generally, and listen, people, of the listeners of the show obviously are very financially literate, but most people just don't know anything. And the yes. other guy who I was talking to, he's like, aren't all the financial advisors the same? Like I, I spoke to one and didn't really know what they were talking about and I just didn't really do anything. So I'm guessing that these two dudes have more or less all their money just sort of sitting in cash and really have no idea what to do and- don't want to talk yes. to an advisor for whatever reason. That is reason. probably a more regular person scenario than the people who listen to our show. Totally. Follow this stuff. Yeah, totally. By the way, Neo's, Neo's down 84% from the high. Oh, well, I don't think he bought it at the high. <laughs> but maybe yeah, he did. I, but anyway, I, anyway, I think, again, I just think that, uh, I, I think that most people are like that, you know? Yes. 
unfortunately, because it, it, it is hard and it's hard to know who to trust. And the problem is the, the best salesman in the world is going to make you trust them. And they could be a moron, but they're really good with people, right? And that's, that's the hard part about knowing who to trust with anything in life, right? All right. Inflation still going in the right direction. This is from Fed Woj. Powell Fed is focused on three baskets of core inflation. Here's what happened to them in May. Core goods, 3.2 versus 2.1 in April. That's a little higher. These are three-month annualized rates. Housing, 6.4 versus 7.2 in April. That's coming down. Core services, X housing, 3.9 versus 4.4. And then core PCE is 4.1 versus 4.2. We're still going in the right direction. So I still think the Fed could be heroes here if they want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who'd have, who'd have thunk? Uh, Carl Cantania tweeted, corn hits lowest since October 2021. Soybeans lowest since December 2021. Dude, it's just been one thing after the other. Like the, the war in Ukraine was certainly going to lead to global inflation, a surge, which it did, by the way. It did. And then it was, I don't even know, know what came between that. But somewhere in between that, we had, we had the regional bank things. And it was just Fed just aggressively, aggressively, aggressively raising. You had all these tech layoffs. Uh, like the market, the economy just absorbed so much. So if, if you use commodities as a good inflation hedge, which they are, you did you had like, I don't know what, an 18-month window? Because the DBC is the Invesco commodity tracking one. That's a good ETF I track. It's on 25% from the highs. It's flat since the invasion. Wow. Yeah, that that's hard to believe. This is also hard to believe. Uh, Jordan Wiseman tweeted this and Two charts that he pulled, one from the White House, one from Joey Politano's uh, Substack, which I like. Do we Basically know this White showing... House data is real? Do we know this White House data is real? I'm just asking questions. <laughs> uh, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's real. I'm kidding. Uh, it shows U.S. versus other developed countries, Italy, U.K., Germany, France, Canada. And it shows we have the lowest inflation about all these developed countries. And then it also shows GDP growth. Same countries, we have the highest growth. So we have the, out of all these big developed economies, we have the, the highest GDP growth, the lowest inflation. How the hell did this happen? Those numbers don't, something, something, something's a whack, Ben. Can't possibly be. This is another one of the, I, obviously there's the, you know, Europe was more impacted by the war stuff. I honestly think if you t- erase the war situation, which obviously a lot of people would love to have happened if that n- never happened, because it's been such a tragedy. But if you erase that situation from the economic data, inflation was going to be transitory. If you take that, that, that bump up from the invasion, I think inflation, in hindsight, looks transitory. Fair? Yeah, it could be. Could be. I just, it's, I just, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how to explain this, the fact that the U.S. has the highest growth and lowest inflation. It doesn't make any sense. If you're in one of these other countries, you got to think, what, what, did we, what did we do wrong here? Uh, should we, we spent more money? The best recession ever continues. May durable goods. This came out last week. Up 1.7% versus negative 1% expected. Hand May up. New- durable goods. No clue. What does that mean? Uh, durable goods. You know what they are. It's like stuff you buy at PC Richards. Washing what machines. PC, what's PC Richards? Okay. PC Richards is probably regional. Lowe's? Uh, clothes. Lowe's, Lowe's, Home Depot, that kind of place. Oh, yeah. No, it's exactly. It's stuff that Tangible you don't, products that can be stored or inventory. Replace, it's stuff that you don't replace often, like your dishwasher, your stove, a refrigerator. Oh, there you go. They have an average life of at least three years. All right. So, so they're, good, they're goods today. that happen to be durable. It's a great name. Anyway, uh, May, <laughs> new home, May new home sales, 763. You know, that reminds me. 
of a great line from Wayne's World. It's been a while since I quoted Wayne's World. The you guys, Wayne's World like once a, once the every guys, week. The, the guys go up to the concert and Meatloaf is the is the valet is the valet is the bouncer. Do you remember that? I'm gonna have to rewatch it because you quote it all the time and I don't remember any of the lines from it. And so I'm gonna. It's been it's been 20 years since I watched it. Probably. So, so Meatloaf opens the door and they ask who's playing, and I can't remember the first name, but they said and the shitty Beatles. And he, and Wayne goes, the shitty Beatles, are they any good? And Meatloaf said, no, they suck. And then Wayne said, so it's not just a clever name. Okay. So Durable Goods, there you go. Perfect name, right. perfectly named. All right, main new home sales, 763,000, uh, 675 expected. Uh, consumer confidence is jumping. I don't know, not that I don't know what the bear case, but I don't even know what the bears would say at this point. Uh, it's just, it's it's gotta be just weight, which I guess is like Fair-ish. I don't know. Uh, I think the 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 goalposts have been moved to just wait. Monetary policy acts on a lag. That's which that's is what you're true. On to this which point. is true. But it's like it's we're 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 approaching bear who cried wolf territory. I'll give him another six months. Uh, Isn't it always Renas- that though? Isn't doesn't the bear always cry? Yeah. The Renaissance macro research. Quote, I think it's from Neil Dutta. You cannot talk about late cycle dynamics with housing turning up and inventories likely to follow. There will be no recession in the next six months, and it's increasingly likely that we're not seeing one in the next year either. Wow. Um, wow. I The housing stuff, I have a th- I've, I've been thinking about this. I feel like there's so much home equity locked right now because rates are at 7%, and so the cash-out refinances have stopped. The HELOCs have stopped. People have always said, like, it's going to be a mild recession if we have one. And there hasn't been a really good explanation for it. I, I think it's just like, well, there's, there's no big system-wide thing that's going to bring us down. But I think housing is the thing that is going to carry us through the next recession and make it, if and when it happens, it'll be ultra short. Because if mortgage rates come down from seven to four or five, you're going to see a home equity line of credit and refi, cash out refi boom unlike we've ever seen before. People are going to be yanking because the housing market hasn't fallen like people thought and the equities stayed relatively similar. I think we're going to see a massive refi boom when mortgage rates come down in the next recession. Like that's going to be like be the wave for the next to hold people through when the stuff hits the fan. But didn't we just have a massive refi boom? It didn't get as big as there wasn't enough time really. Okay. It didn't. It wasn't as nearly as big as like what happened in the two thousands. I think because of the increase in equity and the money just sitting there for people, I think it's it's going to be the next wave. It's going to happen. All right. Here's uh, this made me a little worried. I guess. This is from the Wall Street Journal. U.S. single-family housing construction has rebounded recently thanks to historical low numbers of houses for sale. Uh, talking about the things we people refinance during the pandemic and locked in low mortgage rates, and so they don't. And then this Tom Barkin, who's the Fed Bank Chair of Richmond, which is another like, when did they set up these these bank chairs? I, the the locations of them always kind of are. It was in. You ever read the book uh, America's Bank by Roger Lowenstein? I did read that. Okay, good point. Yeah, I should. Okay. Tom Barkin says, I didn't fully anticipate how much the move in interest rates would convince people not to put their houses on the market. That's kind of got me a little worried that the Fed didn't realize like, oh, if we let mortgage rates go to 7%, maybe people people won't want to move because housing is unaffordable. Yeah, maybe keep that to yourself, dude. Yes. Uh, All right. Good news of the week. Labor market. Uh, Ethan Malik tweeted this. The good old days were much harder. In 1865, the average British worker worked 124,000 hours over their life, kind of like the U.S. and Japan. In 1980, only 69,000 hours. Nice. Don't do it. Despite living longer, since then it has dropped by 6%. We went from spending 50% of our lives working to 20%. 
pretty amazing. I think one of the reasons that we have so much that people complain about much more minor details in their lives, I think, than people probably did way back in the day. Back in the day, people didn't have any time to sit around and think about stuff and complain because they just worked all the time. And then they died a, young. Yeah, I read a book on this. Fair, oh, called The Comfort, Cris- Comfort Crisis, which was exactly about what you just spoke about. And the quality of life is up the billion X, but it's made us soft because there are less real threats to us. And so everything is relative. And right. so I'm not saying that I want to go back or that humanity was, you know, things were better in the 1910s. It just is, right? Yes. We it's, have more, more, more leisure, more luxury, less threats, more time to complain. Right. There's fewer diseases or fewer, you, there's fewer ways to like be impaled and die. So like the, the way that they, you've, have you ever read any of the books about how they made the buildings and the bridges back in the day and how there's just like dead bodies in these big cement pillars when they made the bridges and stuff. Cause there was so like working conditions were so much unsafe, unsafer. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, good news of the week. All right. Is the housing correction already over? This is from Yahoo Finance. Home prices grew for the third straight month in April, potentially cementing a recovery in values and reflecting a housing market that is sorely undersupplied. Uh, Case Shiller was up 0.5%. I, I showed the drawdown here on Y charts. So it got to as, as low as 2.85% for Case Shiller National Home Price Index. It's now, I'm using two decimal points here, 1.78%. It's coming up, meaning housing prices are going up. Is that it? Could be. If we see a 3% correction, I suppose if we want to add inflation, it's been a little higher than that, a lower than that. That, I mean, I don't know. That's another brain breaker, right? Mortgage rates go to 7% from 3% in the housing market and the housing prices go up 50% and then they fall three. I think people are so desperate for housing market crash. It's probably not coming. Did you see this viral Airbnb tweet? I did. He talked about how the Airbnb collapse is real. Revenues are down by 50% in cities like Phoenix and Austin. Watch out for a wave of forced selling from Airbnb owners later this year in the areas hit hardest by the revenue collapse. And that got like a million views. It's got 17 million views the last time I saw it and, and thousands of retweets. And people thought, oh, this is it. This is, this is the thing. And then some other guy wrote back and said, this viral tweet, uh, I'm going to fact check it. And no the average trend is down 3%, not 40 or 50%. I think pe- because the thing, so Logan Motoshami and his Housing Lawyer podcast talked about this. They asked him about it. They said, is this, is this Airbnb collapse thing real? He's like, listen, I'm not an Airbnb expert, but if this was real, you would see it in the supply of houses for sale. There'd be a wave of housing on the market. And instead, we're seeing the lowest supply of houses for sale in history. Can I just ask a question? Has, has anybody fact-checked the fact-checker? I don't know. I, I'm just going to go ahead and say that like the, it's, in, there's, it's impossible that you could lose that much money on these when everything has been going so on. People are spending so much money. I know I, I've not seen a fact check of the fact checker, but I'm, uh, so the, 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 I, the, the, the original guy is saying that all of the people that loaded up on homes, the yeah, Airbnb they're hoarders, screwed and they're gonna have to sell yeah, and, and losing and, money. And yeah, just, just come on, just come on. And, uh, as, as two Airbnb shareholders, we're, <laughs> this is not, I don't even think this is not even necessarily like a stock. Uh, well, I guess, I guess it would impact the stock if it was right, but it's more just like this guy's not talking about the stock. He's talking about much bigger things. He's talking about the housing market. But my point is, and there's just no way, there's just no way. 
No, but people wanted so badly for this to be true because I, th I think some people just want, a, and I, I get it. If you missed out on it, I totally get wanting the housing market to crash so you can buy lower, but it, hey, if guess the what? housing if, market- if, if, all, if all the people that, that bought multiple homes in the last two years sold them on Airbnb, you know what would happen? They would get bought. That's what would happen. Yes, right. <laughs> and you'd see an increase in the supply of homes being sold or bought, and it, it, unfortunately for people who are looking at it, it hasn't happened. All right, Ben. Um, Somebody, uh, not somebody, I'm sorry, Financial Times. In New York, buildings are selling for less than the value of the land that they sit on. We are seeing prices lower than they have been in 20 years in absolute dollar terms. It comes from Will Silverman. He is a managing director at a real estate investment bank. And they show U.S. commercial real estate foreclosures by property type. And of course, office is way higher. There's There's been almost 30. Uh, the next is is apartments, which is like six. So it's all it's all in uh, in in office real estate specifically within the commercial real estate category. How hard and, is it to turn these offices into apartments? Like, uh, yeah, if they're really not, it, selling for less than the value of the land they sit on, why couldn't these be turned into condos or apartments? It's not that simple. There's a whole like uh, zoning type of thing. It's not like they, they could just flip a switch. But anyway, my point is this. This is definitely, I promise this is a not to brag thing. I'm up 50% or so on the SL Green stock that I bought. I don't know. You've been bragging about it a little bit lately. A little bit. No, I haven't. De Niro, a little bit. I can. So, I got the receipts on Slack. No, but let's. Yeah, but I can break on Slack. I mean, okay, fair. Uh, I, to your credit, credit to you. You've you've like you've bottom fished like five stocks in the last twelve months. Like, and you you kind and we always say like it's impossible to nail the bottom. You kind of have nailed the bottom like four or five times. It's it's closer to ten, but but <laughs> no, but it's not credit to me. It's credit to the market. I I said I said yes. Uh, yes. With, I, I said with Josh. Yes, I have gotten lucky. Some call it skill. I, listen, I, I'll call it luck. But it only works in a bull market. Like if you're yeah. trying to catch bottoms in bear markets, you're a f Like obviously. Okay, but anyway, yeah. my point is this. With Elsol Green, this is how markets work. The news is bad and it's not getting better. And the stock is up 50% off the lows. And if you contrast this with Netflix, which we spoke about last week, Netflix is flat over the last five years and it won. If your right. thesis in 2018 was that, and, and we spoke with this, that guy, Buco Capital tweeted this, if your thesis was Netflix is going to win streaming, you were right and you made no money. Right. Conversely, this piece of shit, the news is bad and getting worse, but the stock is up 50% from the lows. It's all and that's expectations. The, and that's Netflix how the market, had such that, high expectations built into it. So that's how the market works. Uh, yes. All right, let's- uh, Even know what SL Green does? Just is it just commercial real estate? They like, own New a York lot real of estate, lug, like AAA luxury buildings in Manhattan. So this this is a trade for you then, because obviously the the fundamentals long term are horrible. Yeah, it's. Not, I mean, I am probably going to be a seller soon. Yeah, I'm not looking to like get married here. Lordstown Motors, remember that one, Ben? Yeah, what was that one again? Was that a EV player or something else? Which was the one where the dude rolled the truck down the hill? Oh no, that was Was that uh, Nicola? Yeah, yes. Well, Lordstown Motors uh came and went. Rest in peace and peace. I don't really remember what they did, to be honest. Shouldn't this be the way to like this, wasn't this the case with when automobiles first came out in the early 1900s? There was like 130 different manufacturers and four of them survived. Isn't that I mean there's not that many electric vehicles, but isn't that going to be kind of the same thing that happens here? Could be. You, you would expect a lot of these to go out of business and not work. That's a, it's a hard, hard business. Yeah, no kidding. Obviously, I was hoping 
my next car would be an electric vehicle. And I, 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 it's not, they're not cheap enough yet for me, I think. I think they're, they're going to be. Tesla keeps lowering prices. I was surprised, though. I, our guy, car, car dealership guy, tweeted a few weeks ago, hey, here's where you're finding deals. And he listed Ford on there. And I, have, I drive a Ford Explorer. And I called them up and I said, hey, I got like 10 more months on my lease. Sounds like you guys are having some deals. What's the story? And my monthly payment only went up. I was, because I, you know, interest rates went from three to eight in auto loans too, maybe nine or 10. I thought my monthly payment would be way higher. It was 7% higher than I paid three years ago. CPI in that time is up 15%. Yeah, not bad. My negotiating skills allowed me to hedge inflation. It's all How's relative. That? You're a good negotiator in, in Grand Rapids. Trust me, you get crushed in New York. <laughs> hey, you use a car broker. You don't even negotiate. You yeah, because I can't. I got, I, got, I got destroyed. Speaking of cars, when I was in California last week, I sent a picture. I sent you a picture of me and Chris. We used a company called Turo, which is like Airbnb for cars, which was awesome. Wait, did you, you learned about service. that one from your, from your idea you had, right? Huh? You, you asked, you said, I've got this great idea. I want oh, to be that's able right. To- and so someone told us about that company. So you used it. And you, your middle-aged your middle transformation was complete. You were driving a convertible with a Hawaiian shirt on. And <laughs> <laughs> middle age is here. Wonderful service. It's, it was like probably cheaper than Hertz and a much wider selection. And you don't have to wait at the airport. Yeah, it was really good. Really but good. it was all like higher-end cars? No, not at all. Oh, oh. Not at all. Oh, okay. You could spend... I don't, want, I don't know how low it goes, but no, it's not high-end at all. It's all over the place. Yeah, um, car rentals is the kind of business where I don't think you ever have a really good experience oh yeah? at one of I, the, the chain places. Oh, okay. I was about to say, I had a great experience. It's T-U-R-O if you're traveling. All right. Um, I got, uh, just before we started, I got an email from Rocket Money saying that my subscription increased for Amazon Kindle Unlimited. Guess what? I didn't even know that I paid for Amazon Kindle Unlimited. <laughs> how about that? So it went up. It, it, hi, Michael. You were just charged eleven ninety nine by Amazon Kindle Unlimited. This is a price increase of two dollars. Well, good to know. I'm going to cancel this because I don't read, and I definitely don't read on the Kindle. How much of a bear market is your reading in these days? Like all the way. I actually, I actually got a book. Um, the author is Jack Carr, and it's like an ex Navy SEAL writing, like I think a, a fiction book. And I thought to myself, you know what? Maybe this is like the gateway. Maybe this is how I get back into reading because fiction. Is fiction. When I start, when I the first book that I read on like my reading journey, it was 2008, and I remember because I was I remember where I was, and I was in an airport and I picked up uh, the Pelican Brief, John Grisham, and I had Decent so movie. I had so much fun reading that book, and I said, you know what, I should do more of this. So maybe, and then that led that led to a multi year bull market in my reading. But I, mean, now, I used to trade books all the time, like. I, I, I only read fiction now. I, I did get an early copy. William Bernstein has a new uh, edition of the Four Pillars of Investing coming out. And I got an early copy of it. And I'm excited about that because he's my all-time favorite finance writer. So I've had this book on my desk for a long time. Price of Time? The Price of Time by Edward Chancellor. He wrote Devil Takes the Hindmost. Oh, that's the interest rate book, right? It's about the real story of interest. And I'm I really want to read it. Like, I really want to, but... How, but how? When do I read this? It's two hundred. It's three hundred pages on interest rates. Did, right, I did we, too many podcasts to read. Yeah. Anyway, make just, just my, my my point is, uh, I don't even pay for Rocket Money, but it's a hell of a service. So it was a nice to yeah, it was nice to to get the. Uh, I I have to sign up for it. They emailed me about this, 
and they said they're going to give me a free shot at Rocket Money, and I haven't done it yet. Give I'm me a free to. shot. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, because oh, you still use a spreadsheet like an absolute clown? I mentioned I use Excel still, and Rocket Money reached out and said, hey, give us a try. We'll give you a free try at I don't, it. And I don't even understand what you mean. When you say you use a spreadsheet, you're talking about like big stuff. Not like You don't like track your subscriptions, obviously, right? No, what no, do you- no but, but yeah, the, I, all my big monthly recurring bills, I have them in there. And yeah, I, I have a system. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last week we talked, we, you just mentioned Netflix. Uh, a good one from Lucas Shaw at Bloomberg. He's the guy who's always on Matt Bellany's podcast, yep. The Town. They're great. So he shows Netflix versus Paramount, Disney, and Fox, and then Warner Brothers. And he said net income at the largest U.S. entertainment company has, has declined by more than 60% over the last decade. Basically, these companies trying to chase Netflix and get that Netflix multiple, that was never going to happen. They've just decimated themselves. Like the, the profits they're making in 2013, and obviously a lot of it is the movie industry has changed a lot. I think... I mean, movies really are dead. I was predicting this see, throughout the pandemic. I think movies are just like top. Movies gu- are not top dead. Gun movies are not dead. Movies are not movies dead. Movies are so the movie theater is dead, man. It, it's not dead. It's, it's not doing good. It's on life support. I would say it's in critical condition. Maybe maybe stabilizing. You're like personally trying to keep it going, but it's. I no actually haven't seen a movie Indi- Indiana Jones. I think bombed this week. It did sixty million. I think it's great. Oh, and, and speaking of, so that this is one of my investments that has not worked out. Uh, Disney, which I asked a few weeks ago, is this just a value Ugh, trap? Me guess, too. Guess what I did? Guess what I did? I bought more. I told you I bought more. Double down? I feel like, because this is like multi-year support right here. And uh, But here's the other thing. If it breaks, I don't even know if I'm going to sell. I feel, like, I feel like it's too late to sell. Doesn't someone have to come buy them eventually? I don't know. I, I'm not banking on that. I don't know about that. If I wanted, I, to, I sound, feel if like, I wanted to sound really smart, I'd say, if we did a sum of the parts valuation here, I don't know what that means. I don't, I wouldn't actually I don't know how to do that, but if I did, it sounds intelligent. Listen, this is this is like maybe keeping it too simple, just not overthinking it. Disney has a lot of problems, right? Like everyone they're well documented. You're starting to see analyst downgrades. The stock is in a 60% drawdown. Do you not think we know? And sorry, if I could buy one of the best brands of all time uh here. What, you know, when it's just a complete washout. So getting back to the expectations thing, yeah, Josh sent us last week on St- on Slack, uh, one of the analysts said we're downgrading Disney and upgrading Netflix. It's yeah, like, I oh, bought great. The, I, thanks, I bought more. Thanks now. Yeah. But that, I think that's the thing is like the the expectations that are built into Disney are so, so low right now. That's your upside. Yeah. Yeah, they're in you, trouble. You I know. You would hope. I, I know and the market knows. We all know. We all know. Tough business. All right, real quick. There was a, I don't know where I saw this, but number of annual U.S. pedestrian fatalities this is in the United States. Pretty horrifying. It is at the highest level it's been at since 1980. Uh, so it went from 8,000 to 4,000 and back to 8,000. Look at the next chart. U.S. pedestrian fatalities. Deaths of people walking surged 19% in just three years. Is this people on their cell phones? Well, but their, here's, In their cars? Yeah, but here, so they, they show you like states where it's most common and- Michigan just new put a Mexico. new law in that went in. Michigan has a new law this week that went into effect that you can't look at your phone while you're driving. Good. It's a two hundred dollar ticket if you get I, exactly. Uh, but 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 so that was the most common response. But they compared it with other countries and were way higher than everyone else. And guess what? There's not just cell phones in the United States. So I don't know what's going on. But I've become since I saw this, I'm much more cognizant of it because I, I looked at my phone all the time when I'm walking, and it's dangerous, especially in New York. Yeah, that's a New York thing. I don't know how people don't get hit more in New York with the way that people just fly through those intersections and the cabs and yeah. sticking out and. Do I know what I did this weekend? 
I did my annual power washing routine. And I got to tell you something. I love- Power washing is a great dad experience. uh, Yeah, it's so much fun. I love an activity where it requires your full dedication. Um, So for example, I don't, I wouldn't say I love doing the dishes. That makes no sense. But I like doing the dishes and like cutting, cutting vegetables only because you're not on your phone. Sure. I listen to AirPod. I listen to a a podcast, but you're not like doing a million things. You're doing two things with a power washer. You can only do one thing. It's too loud. So you can't listen to music. You have a task. You get the shit off your house, off the fences. I love it. It gives me a ton of joy. The other great thing about power washing is that you see the start and the end. Like I, I did, I did one of those college painting crews in the summer when I was in college for a couple of years. And the greatest thing wait, about wait, pa- wait, 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 a what? A, a house paint, right? You've seen those like college pro house painters. Like it's a bunch of college kids who run their own business and you, they charge way less because they're probably bad at it. So it was me and a bunch of college buddies that were on a painting crew and we painted the outside of houses all summer. And oh, the best nice. thing about that, yeah, I learned how to paint actually. The best thing about that was, is like, you see your progress. It's yes. right there for you to know how much you've got done. And it's it like, at the end of the day, you see how much you've done and you're like, it kind of is like fulfilling. Incredibly fulfilling. That's what I like about it. All right, I've got a fireworks take. So the fireworks, we're going, we're recording this on uh, Monday morning because we got, we're not gonna record on 4th of July. What are we, maniacs? And people are starting to light off fireworks already last night. I've, I've done the whole spiel before about how I hate fireworks because like it wakes my kids up and it's bad for dogs and all this thing. Here's my other fireworks take. Fire, like a fireworks show, you know, like the towns and municipalities and stuff put on. Those are the same. Those fireworks have not improved for like 30 years. I feel like it's literally the same show every year. And so if you've seen one, you've seen them all. But the firework improvement for regular people, the dumbass who lives down the street or next door to you, those are up like, those are like 10 times bigger and better. So we've given idiots the ability to do huge firework shows out of their driveway and like shoot off these like, it's like a war zone, but the regular ones, they're, they're still the same. Is there a crypto ETF analogy coming? I don't, I just, I don't, <laughs> maybe. I don't get like, I just don't get fireworks. I feel like if you've seen one show, you've seen them all. And I just don't, the, the, the downside of lighting off these huge, mortar shells versus the upside is just, it's the worst investment opportunity there is. Well, I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't know that I would be- I'm sound like an old old man here. I don't care. But but I do enjoy, I, I'm on the complete other side of, as far as I love fireworks. I, I enjoy it. Uh, I like seeing the kids' eyes light up. I like seeing my eyes light up. I just love it. I think they're 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 pretty and- They're too loud. They're, they're too loud. Ah, man. Sorry. You are sounding very old man-y. Now, my, my dog hates him and I feel bad for her. We need to- Duncan's with me. Duncan's with me. There's, it's It's just- it sounds like you're in a war zone. They're the the ones that they sell to people for their house now. All right, are we so get it. You don't you don't, you don't like fireworks. You don't like fireworks. All right. Um, I I watched. What did I watch? I didn't see anything good on the airplane. In fact, I think I saw something really bad. Uh, oh, I rewatched uh, Blood Diamond. Not rewatchable. I rewatched it, was on, it too. It was on the rewatchables, and I I saw Blood Diamond in the theater. What year did that come out? Uh, and I, I just feel like I liked that movie. Oh, I loved it. Oh, 2006. Uh, no, I, I really like that movie a lot. It's just one of those movies that's that's so. It, it's just such a. Uh, vi- it gives you such a visceral reaction. I, it's, I don't need to rewatch it. I remember it. Vividly. Yeah, a lot of downer movies. It's hard to. Re- they're not. Yeah, I remember it vividly. That's why comedies are so much more rewatchable. Uh, so the mule. Movie is that stunk. the Clint Eastwood one? Yeah, it stunk relative to what it could have been. Yeah, it was, it was bad. So, so Wasn't Bradley Cooper in that too. So Bradley Cooper and Lawrence Fishburne are the cops tracking him down. 
Yeah, and that's a bad movie. I don't know. It's just weird. It feels like it feels like there was like some really bad editing done, or the story was incomplete. It just doesn't feel like one of his movies. It just yeah, it just it stunk. It was watchable, but it was not. It was not. I mean, the good. guy's like eighty five years old, isn't he? Yeah, those are no excuses. All right, I don't remember what your feelings were on the Bear season one. Did you watch it? Like it? I don't remember. So I did I not. Like you, like, you weren't on board. I did not like season one. However, I, I'm like a huge outlier. Uh, and whatever, just didn't resonate with me. But I'm, I'm excited for season two because you and everyone else seems to really love it. So I will watch. So it. I, 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 I was pounding the table on season one. I said it was the best new show of last year. Yep. And I fact. thought like I thought it could have been a one season show. Like the way they ended it, it was like it was it was an amazing ending. Less, and I'm like I don't know what they're gonna do for a second season. It, it's gonna be weird. And I think it like not hyperbole. I think it was one of the best seasons of television I've ever watched. Like the first two or three episodes were kind of the same as last year. And it's like okay. They're sitting on the same beats. And then the second half of the season, they have a Christmas episode that was just a murderer's row of cameos. It's like, well, that person's in it. Holy crap. That, and that, that, it was like an hour long episode. It could have been a movie. And then the next episode after that, that, and the episode was just like on fire. It was amazing. The next episode after that was even better. The, the cousin Richie, I love, uh, he has a line. He's talking to his five-year-old daughter and he says, Honey, I love you. I'll see you later. He's dropping her off at the mother's because they're divorced. And he says, Honey, I just want you to know, I love Taylor Swift too, but I just needed a break. And I said that exact same line, I swear to my daughters in the last weeks because they've just been on a Taylor Swift kick. And it just, I I don't want to like, I don't want to oversell it because someone's going to watch it and say, Oh, what are you talking about? But for me, this this is my favorite show I've seen in a long, long time. And it, it kind of feels like it could have been a movie because it's just like these short 30 episodes. But I'm pounding the table on this one. If you're a Ben recommendations person, I couldn't believe like this show went up another level that was just like, I don't know. It was awesome. So you liked it? I freaking love the last five episodes of the season were just on fire. It was All right, I will, so, I will so definitely good. watch. All right. And, and I don't know. I don't know if it's a Michael show, but the thing is the thing that you get out of thrillers, like this is a very chaotic show, like the cooking stuff. I think the thing that you like out of the horror movies that like makes you feel uncomfortable like this show has moments where it really makes you feel uncomfortable. And I kind of like that, that part of it. Okay. Um, all right. By the time you're listening to this, you will have hopefully enjoyed a very nice 4th of July with all the great fireworks and other things that this t- country does so well. Send hey, us an e- I'm fine with sparklers. <laughs> We're going to do sparklers. But I don't need, I don't need a, oh, oh, I need, oh. I need Qu- a, a bazooka in my backyard. Quick plug. Uh, Josh and I, when we were in St. Petersburg, did an episode with this incredible guy who was, I think he was a Navy SEAL or Green Beret, I can't remember, but he now owns a distillery and the, the bourbon is called Horse Soldier uh, Bourbon and it's incredible. We did an interview with him and Cheryl Penny um, about just his experience and entrepreneurship and it was it was exciting. That guy, that guy is amazing. So those, uh, the, check that the out. The people who have gone through those programs and have served like like those people blow me away i think those people are 10 times more impressive than any ceo or entrepreneur uh so they, they made a they made a movie about this guy's battalion uh and um what's his name chris helmsworth was was the leading man so these dudes oh. literally they took afghanistan via horseback <laughs> literally at horses yeah totally all right hey wait Since, one more plug yep please uh, our Chris Hutchins talk your book. Oh yeah, yeah, that was great. Up on Monday too, all about credit cards and credit card rewards. Michael learned what uh, Google Flights was. Which Dude, was I learned I learned a ton in that. Yeah. So if, if you're a big 
life hack person, credit cards. Chris is, Chris is very well educated in this and very well versed, and it was a good one too. All right, animalspiritspod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Happy fourth, and we'll see you next time.